0: This morning's reading is from Ezekiel chapter 37 and verses 1 to 14. You can find it in your church Bibles at page 868. The Valley of Dry Bones. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of God.
1: Yes, thank you, David, for reading for us. Please do keep that passage open, um, and let's pray together before we look at it. Come, Spirit of God, take that word that you caused to be written and help us to understand it this morning, and through it, give us hope. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, last week, um, I suggested that we spend more time hanging around in graveyards. Well, that's what we're going to do this morning. I was actually, well, I gave about 10 seconds to thinking about getting you up and marching you down the road and doing the sermon uh, from the graveyard down there, but I decided against it, you'll be glad to know. Ezekiel 37, though, will take us to a graveyard this morning. <clears throat> I realize that's a bit uncomfortable, but the Lord knows that we have to face suffering and death, and for that, we need hope. And paradoxically, the place that we're going to find hope, we will find In a graveyard, this one in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel's vision of Death Valley is a vision of the nation of Israel. And as a nation, they had been exiled, they had been deported to Babylon, far away from their homeland. And they had recently received some devastating news Jerusalem has fallen. That's what they heard, and it's hard for us to appreciate just how devastating that was for them, but verse 11 gives us an insight into what they were feeling. Then God said to Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, and we are cut off. See, that's how they felt. Life was over for them. There was no point living. They could feel the soil falling on their heads. Our bones are dried up. Our, our hope is gone. And maybe, just maybe you feel that way. Maybe something's happened in your life and you feel that your life is done, that it is over. Or maybe at some point you will. Something or someone will be taken away from you and you'll think, that's it. Life's over. Life's done. Well, the Spirit of the Lord picks up Ezekiel and takes him on this grim tour, a valley full of bones. And looking through Ezekiel's eyes will put hope into him It puts hope into the exiles, and it will put hope into us, whatever, and I mean whatever, we are facing. We'll take the vision in three parts, drawing an implication from each of those parts. And our aim for this morning is that each of us can walk out with an unshakable and unbreakable hope. That's the aim. That sounds like a big deal, I know. It is. let's get into it. Part one, Death Valley. Verse one, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So first up on Ezekiel's tour of Death Valley, he sees a vast number of bones. And what's more, these bones are very dry. They've been there a long time. They've been picked clean by the birds and bleached by the sun. And not only are there very many bones, but the bones are very dry. And... Not only that, they are scattered across the valley floor. They're they're unburied bones. Now, the significance of that is that unburied bones are cursed bones. These are people under God's curse. Did you notice in verse 11 again, the exiles are saying to themselves, our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. Now, what is that? Well, that's the language of covenant curse. When God brought his people together at Mount Sinai, he said to them, look, if you obey, I'll I'll bless you. And if, if you disobey me, I will curse you. You'll be cursed. You'll be cut off. That was the language that was used. You will be under my wrath. That's what happened. Because they followed the ways of the world and not God's ways. Because they were disobedient, because they followed the cravings of their flesh, well, God cursed them. Literally, he he raised up the Babylonian army to come and drag them off into captivity, far away from their homeland. Now, they weren't physically dead; I suspect some of them were, but most of them were spiritually dead cut off from their home, cut off from Jerusalem, cut off from the life-giving Lord whose presence was especially felt in Jerusalem. In other words, they were as good as dead, like a vase of cut-off flowers. Now that's all very interesting, but what we need to realize is that by nature we are those flowers. Because Israel's exile was a picture of the human exile. And it goes all the way back to to Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned and, and they represent us all, they were exiled. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And what was in the middle of that garden? The tree of life. And that's why we die. We're, we're cut off from the tree of life. We're, we're cut off from God himself. Did you know that that's why we die? It's not just a biology thing. It is a theology thing. There's a reason for the, for the biology. There's a, there's a theological reason. And the reason is that by nature we're cut off from the life-giving God. We are all then under the sentence of death. Death. So here's our first implication. You must realize that things are worse than you thought. See, everyone has problems. We've all all got problems of various kinds. But our great problem is death and judgment beyond that. And what's more, the reason why it's such a great problem is that we are spiritually dead. We are utterly powerless to do anything about it. You see, that's why we die physically. Israel said, our bones are dried up. Well, they, they vastly underestimated their situation. Their bones are not merely dried up. Look what it says. It says that they are very dry. We look at our troubles and our trials and we think, oh no, But it's worse. Sorry to tell you, it is worse because we face death and judgment. And what is more, we are dry bones, we are powerless. See, our spiritual condition, well, well, look, we're not not a body in A&E that needs a crash team. We're a bunch of dry bones. A crash team won't help. We need to realize that. We need even... We are even more helpless and even more hopeless than the exiles. See, if we're ever going to access the hope we need, we first of all need to realize our spiritual condition. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote when he was, he was speaking to Christians. He said, as for you, in Ephesians chapter 2, as for you, you were unwell. No, you were dead in your transgressions, uh, transgressions and sins in which you used to live. <laughs> he then goes on and says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. Now, do we accept that? That that is our natural spiritual condition perhaps this is the first time you've ever heard that before you need to think about it see many people claim to be spiritually healthy others will admit that they are spiritually under the weather few people will accept what it says in this vision just like the exiles we we overestimate our condition And because of that, is it any wonder that when somebody walks onto the scene and says, I am the resurrection and the life, well, we kind of think, well, that's nice, but we're just not that bothered about it because we don't think we need resurrection or life. Now, the obvious question is the question that the Lord asks Ezekiel in verse 3. Can these bones live now the lord isn't answering asking a kind of a general philosophical question here about the possibility of resurrection you know if you'd ask any israelite that question they would have gone yeah of course no problems that's what god's going going to do of course there'll be a resurrection the question is can these bones live these people who are under God's judgment can they live can the exiles live can do they have any hope of returning back to their homeland well it scarcely seems possible now Ezekiel knows that the answer is not no because nothing's impossible with God but he also knows that the answer can't be a a glib yeah of course no, no problem Israel is dead. Israel is scattered. Israel needs to be regathered and reconstituted as a nation. And he knew that that would take nothing less than a divine work of new creation. And so very wisely, Ezekiel responds, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. So to sum up the first part of this vision then, The Lord wants us to see that we are without hope, just like the nation of Israel, spiritually dead. We need to see that if there's going to be any hope, it must come from outside of us. We can't generate it ourselves. It must come from outside of us. And that's what the Spirit of the Lord now shows us in part two of Ezekiel's vision, life from the dead. <clears throat> so, what did God give these exiles? Well, a vision or a picture of resurrection. God commands Ezekiel to preach to these bones. He must have found a complete muppet, mustn't he? But he does. He preaches to these very dry bones, scattered bones, and astonishingly, verse 7. There is a rattling, and like paperclips to a magnet, them dry bones come together. So the, the toe bone connects to the foot bone, and the foot bone connects to the heel bone, and the heel bone connects to the ankle bone. You know the rest. You get the idea. Skeletons. And next, verse 8, tendons, flesh, skin, bodies. It's an amazing vision death in reverse what's it about well it's a metaphor of course it's, it's a metaphor for a return from exile god is saying look israel you're dead but I, but i'm bringing you back i'm giving you hope and 70 years later that's what happened under cyrus the persian ruler The Israelites did return to the land as God promised and then when Ezra and Nehemiah turned up they rebuilt the wall and the temple. But think about this for a moment. As great as that was for the nation Israel were left with a greater problem. It's our problem too. The problem of being exiled or cut off from God. That was... Their problem and ours. The reconstitution and return of that nation, it was a massive deal. But it wasn't the full thing. Verse 8, I looked, I saw corpses, but there was no breath in them. I wonder if the Spirit of the Lord did a tour of this room and showed us our natural spiritual state. I wonder how many of us would have breath in us. Maybe there would be a few surprises. So-and-so, a regular member, someone who's heard a thousand sermons, but a spiritual corpse, no breath in them. You see, hearing God's Word is not enough There must be breath. There must be spirit. And that's why Ezekiel must prophesy to the breath. Now, to appreciate what's going on here, you need to realize that the word for spirit and the word for breath and the word for wind, in the original, they're the same word. So when Ezekiel must preach to the breath, he must preach to God's spirit. And through Ezekiel's preaching, the spirit must come and breathe breath into these lifeless bodies. And so for a second time, Ezekiel preaches. First to the bones, now to the bodies. And here's an encouragement to every preacher. Breath or spirit enters them. And they came to life. Then they stood up, a vast army ready to serve the Lord. It is an extraordinary recreation. It's like the creation of the first man, Adam. There are two stages. There is the forming and then there is the filling. That's what took place in Genesis. You see, the point, is, the two, the point of the two stages is that... Cre- That recreating Israel is no walk in the park. It requires nothing less than the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So if the first stage is Israel's return to the land, when did this second stage happen? Well, it happened in John chapter 20. You remember? The disciples were gathered in the upper room three days after Jesus had died. He makes a physical appearance. Do you remember that? He comes, he comes along into that room and he breathes on them. He breathes on them the sweet breath of life and he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What's that about? It's about Ezekiel 37. That's what it's about. It's the Lord Jesus Christ coming along and saying, I am the resurrection, I am the life. I'm sending you, my my apostles, out with this message that I am bringing about the ultimate exile. I am dealing with your ultimate problem of death. You are spiritually dead, but I am ultimate hope. I will breathe my Holy Spirit into you. And you will live. Because I was raised, you will be raised with me. So here we have our second implication from this vision. Yeah, we've got to begin by realizing that things are far worse than we thought. But then we also need to know that with God, nothing is hopeless. See, here is a hope that triumphs over anything. There's a Jewish doctor called Viktor Frankl, and he survived the the Jewish death camps of World War II. And he he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. I got this from, from Tim Keller. Of course, Frankl saw death everywhere in the death camps. And he saw that for some people, it, it brought out the very worst in them. People who just sort of decided they are going to do anything at all just to survive. So they betrayed one another to, to the Nazis, that sort of thing. Other people literally gave up. They, they literally got down on the floor, curled up in a ball, and died. And yet other people became courageous they they made sacrifices for others they were heroic the difference well Frankl said it depends on what your hope is see if you have hope in something that suffering and death can actually take away from you then you'll get bad or you'll you'll give up but if you have hope in something that suffering and death can't take from you, then you can, you can access, you can find strength, even, even if you're in a death camp. Most people don't have that kind of hope. When they lose their job or career, their health, their money, their possessions, their friends or family, they say, my life's over, my hope's gone, I can't carry on. But there is a hope that even the death camps can't take away from you. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who offers you himself. That's the hope we need. But how do you get this hope? How do you you kind of get it inside of you so it's a kind of living and active power I mean, wouldn't you love this kind of resilience in your life? How do we get it? Well, that brings us to part three. The Lord's interpretation of the vision. And that's what these verses are. Look down at verse 12. Therefore prophesy, Ezekiel, and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, my people... I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. So this interpretation clarifies for us the meaning of the vision. The people are helpless and hopeless, but there is nonetheless hope for the future. And that hope is based upon what God will do. In a slightly shifted metaphor here, God will tear open their graves and restore them to the land. So what is truly hopeless from a human perspective is nevertheless full of hope when God is involved for he determines to bring his people back from the dead. Here is ultimate hope. God says in verse 14, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. God will put his spirit in us. That's how we get the hope. But how is he going to do it? Now, do you remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3? He said to him, you must be born again. You must be born again of water and spirit. What is that? Well, it is Ezekiel 36 and Ezekiel 37. You see, in Ezekiel 36, well, it speaks of God sprinkling his people with sin-cleansing water, cleansing us deep within. And Ezekiel 37 that we're looking at speaks of God putting his creative spirit within us as jesus explains to nicodemus this happens this happens when it happens when jesus is lifted up on a cross when he is cut off from the land of the living and when people look and believe in him. Believe that he died on that cross for their sins. The moment somebody does that, there is new creation. There is rebirth. There is spiritual resurrection. Somebody is born again. You must be born again, says Jesus, if you want ultimate hope. But when you are, there is ultimate hope. There is unshakable hope. And that hope will one day lead to a physical resurrection as well. And so the third principle, for those feeling discouraged and demoralized, helpless and hopeless. Well, we need to begin by realizing that our situation is worse than we dreamed it was. We need to then know that there is always hope with the Lord But thirdly, we must experience spiritual resurrection. Or in Jesus' words, we must be born again. So as we come then to the end of this vision of the graveyard, this grim tour of Death Valley, what has the Lord shown us? That we are hopeless and helpless, spiritually dead, But that with his word and by his spirit, there is hope. The question is, are you born again? Have you experienced this spiritual resurrection that comes only through Jesus Christ? Now, I know that there are some here who are refusing to answer this question. It is of no concern to them. Or deep down, they know that the answer will really upset them. Others here assume that you have been made alive because at one point in your life, or or several, you were terrified by the thought of death and judgment. Or you were distraught over some shameful sin that you've committed. And you've now perhaps somewhat reformed yourself. And... You've added some church going into the mix as well. But let me ask you, if you faced loss, if you faced significant suffering, if you if you faced death, would there be any hope left to find? Or really is your hope rooted in in this life? Would your hope, would it endure a death camp? If Christ is not your hope, then the answer must be no, because suffering and death will take away everything that you're living for. And that is why Christ says, You must be born again. But speaking to now to those who have been born again and have God's Spirit, perhaps. Perhaps you find yourselves in circumstances at the moment. Perhaps your sin, perhaps your circumstances mean that you you feel hopeless and helpless right now. Maybe it's a a job or house thing. Maybe it's your health or the health of a loved one. But let me ask you, if you are a believer in God, open up your eyes and, and see... How hopeless is this situation really? You remember that time when Jesus was asleep in the boat and the disciples, these professional fishermen, they're at sea and there's a storm and the, the boat is taking on water and they feared for their very lives. How hopeless was that situation? Jesus just woke up, rebuked the wind and the waves and immediate calm. Or the demon-possessed man. You remember that man, how desperate his situation was. He was, he was cutting himself, self-harming. Nobody could tame him. He, would, he broke the chains that he was bound with. How hopeless was that situation? Jesus spoke a word, and that man was back in his right mind. Then there was the daughter of Jairus. Remember that story? She died. You remember And Jesus just said, well, no, she's she's not dead. She's just asleep. He walked into the room and said, little girl, I say to you, Talithakum, get up. And she got up. How hopeless was that situation? And then there was the time when Jesus was at the, the tomb of his friend Lazarus. Three days this guy had been buried and dead. And Jesus calls out and he just walks out of the tomb. Nothing is hopeless with our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. See if Christ has made you spiritually alive. Then one day like Lazarus. You will hear his voice. And you will run out of the tomb to meet him. With a new body. With Jesus Christ. There is always hope. Now I know that some of us at the moment will be in a great situation you've you've walked in today you're full of hope you know that you are safe you you know that whatever happens you are in his grip and in his grace that's great but let's remember that we live in death valley let's remember that this world is dead in their sins So let's be agents of hope. Let's not trust in ourselves. We are agents of hope, but we are not the hope. Jesus Christ is the hope. Thank God. So let's arise. Let's put our gospel armor on. We'll be singing that song in a minute. Wielding the sword of the Spirit. And when things grow difficult, let's not grow bad. Let's not get down, but let's get courage. Let's continue the victory march. Let's be that army bold until the day when we stand with Christ in our heavenly homeland, the Jerusalem that is above. See, if we want hope, if we want to keep hope, the vital question is the question that Jesus asked Martha at the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's the question. Amen.